everybody, welcome to another edition of Two Strike Noise. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff Paulson. Joining me, as always, from the uh, sunny studios in Seattle, Washington, is my co-host, Mark A. Johnson. Mark, how are you doing? Oh, man, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I feel like I haven't discussed baseball uh, in a long time, and I need to, I need to get on it because it's, uh, it's something that keeps me going, man. It's been at least a week since you that's what's killing me <laughs> yeah so we've got a great show for you today we've got another guest we've got a, a line of guests recently but this is a another great one uh, mariners pa announcer tom hudler is going to join us uh, shortly and talk some mariners memories some baseball memories and just kind of be goofy uh, with us um, mark has known tom for quite a while uh, working at the mariners i've known tom for seven eight years now and uh we uh look forward to speaking with him i think that'll be a great interview but as we like to do we like to start off the show with batting practice and we've got some just odd things to talk about since last we were here mark are you are you are you all buckled in and ready to go yeah and i didn't do any research so i'd be surprised by all this <laughs> so it's a regular show all right now right, so it's pretty typical <laughs> i wanted to talk some some hall of fame voting as we've been known to do. I, uh, I, I was just in Boston. Uh, I posted a couple of things. I've got some more things I want to talk about. Uh, I was at Boston. I was at Fenway Park uh, with some meetings there and talking to some people from the Red Sox. And we were talking about the Hall of Fame. And I brought up Larry Walker and I started to roll. And, oh, my God, he played at Coors Field, blah, blah, blah. So I, I tripped them up with this little piece of this little nugget of information I happened to find on the internets before I went in there. If you had to guess, Mark, how many in a percentage, how many of Larry Walker's plate appearances do you think took place at Coors Field? Well, so he was an expo. Um, and then so you get talking half the games would be at home for I would go maybe 50 percent. Try 31%. No, kidding. Okay. Only 31% of Larry Walker's plate appearances took place at Coors Field. So all this eye rolling and, oh, the Coors Field effect. I mean, you can't, it's, you know, Todd Helton was somebody that they brought up. Sure, Todd Helton, who I'm also a big fan of, and I think he should go in the Hall of Fame when he's eligible. But I agree. Todd Helton spent his entire career with the Rockies. So, okay, half of his plate appearances just about are going to be from Coors Field. But Larry Walker, only 31% took place in the rarefied air, which, I, I again, I think it just adds credibility to his his candidacy that Agreed. Larry Walker is a Hall of Famer. A um, couple of other things I wanted to talk about. The uh, Black Friday happened a week or so ago. So the uh, the A's had a Black Friday sale. Oh. at their at their store at the Coliseum. So my wife and I we don't we don't do Black Friday, but we got up early. We got our butts down there at I think it was eight o'clock it opened. And we were one of the first people in there. And I did something I've never ever done before. Uh and in, as an A's fan, this is very risky. I bought jerseys of current A's players. Wow. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes those are only uh, good to use for a year or yeah, two. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that they're at least good to use for the upcoming season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel pretty safe 
in in one i bought two jerseys they're actual you know these are the legitimate well i mean they're not the new nike jerseys but these are you know game jerseys they're normally 200 whatever everything was 50 percent off so i went in i was just gonna get one but my wife said oh well why don't you get this guy why don't you get this guy so i'm like all right so uh, i got a ramon loriano jersey because i love ramon um then i was debating between uh chapman or olsen one of the mats um you know i love chappy platinum gold uh, platinum glove winner gold glove winner uh, and then there's matt olsen also a gold glove winner and i actually i went with matt olsen because i figured i could get chapman at any point but there was only one olsen one left in my size mm-hmm. so i went i went ahead with the ole jersey but that makes sense i'm living on the edge here getting getting current players you are yeah, for a team that does pretty well in uh, uh, switching up their employees. Yeah, <laughs> but let, speaking of uniforms, let's talk about the Texas Rangers. So they've been in the news quite a bit lately. I've got two Texas Rangers notes. First of all, their uniforms for next year. They have got five different uniform combinations for next year. <laughs> five. <laughs> wow, that that's really going to make you happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of them is a powder blue. Which, mm-hmm. if you've been paying any attention, everybody's bringing back powder blue uniforms this year, which is great. But I just don't need teams to have, you know, I, I don't need to have a chart to be able to figure out what jersey people are going to wear for that game. But the Rangers have five uniforms, uh, one of which is the powder blue. So that's that's kind of interesting. I also wanted to talk about they, you know, are obviously moving into a new ballpark because they've, you know been at the current ballpark for way too long like 20 years yeah (laughs) so they released the dimensions of the new ballpark this week and all of the dimensions have to do with uh, former ranger legends i guess it would be so home plate and the first one is not a ranger legend but uh home plate is 42 feet from the backstop in honor of jackie robinson Nice. Um, it is kind of funny because they've got pictures of all these players uh, on the official Twitter feed. Jackie Robinson, uh, they did not put a picture of Jackie Robinson. They put some white guy <laughs> that is clearly not Jackie Robinson. <laughs> so, oh Texas Rangers, come on, man. That's that's awful. That's not right. Down the left field line, it is 329 feet, which is way too short. Uh, yeah. In honor of number 29, Adrian Beltre. Uh, left kind of just off of the foul pole and left, it is 334. I'm guessing you can figure out who that is in honor of. Yeah, Bobby Witt. No, 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 no. <laughs> Nolan Ryan. Hey. Uh, next, we've got kind of left center field is 372 feet, which I guess Arlington Park opened up in 1972. Next center field is 410 feet away in honor of Michael Young. Uh, also in center field, 407 feet away. They're just like <laughs> just taking random spots and going, yeah, we had a number seven. Uh, Yvonne <laughs> Rodriguez, 407. Uh, next, they've got in right center field, 374 feet away. I guess they had somebody, uh, a group of players called the Turnaround Gang in 1974. So they probably had a good year that year. And I think Billy Martin, that was the year that he was hired as the manager when 
they unceremoniously booted. I don't remember. I I told this story when I did Billy Martin, but they they booted out whoever was the manager because Billy became available. Yes. And then down the right field line is 326 in honor of Johnny Oates, manager for the. You remember he was the manager. He managed the the Orioles as well. I. Oh sure. I don't. I didn't think he was that made that much of an impression on the Rangers to uh, to honor him. I also did not know that uh, Johnny Oates passed away in 2006. I was oh, unaware yeah, yeah. of that. But huh. um, Ron Washington took him to back-to-back World Series, but Johnny Oates is the one that got honored. But I thought that was kind of interesting, some of these names that they pulled out to, to honor. Yeah. All right, so I wanted to talk about... Uh, I, I mentioned that I was in Boston. I yeah. happened to be at a Starbucks... Uh, just kind of waiting till I, I headed to Fenway. And so just, I thought, oh, I'm going to look up. I'm When I'm on the road these days, I'm going to start looking up more historical stuff of these cities I'm in and, and just go and visit some things. So I, I happened to type in and I had seen something about the Royal Rooters. Remember, we talked about them. They were kind of the original. Sure. In the early 1900s, they traveled even with the, with the Red Sox and w- they would sing songs, essentially walk-up songs for the, the Red Sox. Well, right. you remember Nuff said McCready? He was the guy that was owned this bar, and he was the leader of these Royal Rooters. Well, I I said I got I'm going to look up where that bar was. Who knows? You know, I don't. Maybe it's still around. And I look it up, and there's a McCready's sports bar, literally a block and a half from the Starbucks I was at. <laughs> no way, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was not the original location, but they have recreated the 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 pub inside, and inside there are just hundreds of old baseball memorabilia and pictures and stuff a lot of them i guess originally from mccready's and wow. it was so interesting they had they even had the drums from the royal rooters that they used to bang on they had a whole bunch of memorabilia you know some of the newer red sox stuff but that as well i'll post some pictures of that on our on our uh, social feeds i thought that was really interesting no, it's it's awesome and it's perfect for the show. It was, you know, I walked in. It was like eleven o'clock in the morning. There was nobody there. You know, I walked in and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want anything. I'm just a baseball history fan. And I, they're like, Oh yeah, we, you know, enjoy yourself. <laughs> I guess they probably get it quite <laughs> often, but uh, that was just really cool to see a lot of those pictures and the Royal Rooters stuff because we had talked about it. I thought it was awesome. So. Uh, make sure you yeah that's great if if you're in Boston make sure to to stop by McCready's and and take a look so this part Mark is usually in the show where we do a birthday or a debut obviously no debuts this late in the year I thought maybe we'd we'd switch it up a little bit Uh, we've been talking a lot about Major League Baseball wanting to essentially contract the minor leagues and get rid of 42 minor league teams. So I thought until at least we get into the regular season when we've got debuts that we would start highlighting some of these 42 teams that Major League Baseball is threatening to essentially disassociate with Major League Baseball because it's just I think an awful idea trying to solve a problem in the wrong way. And you know, a lot of these teams have been around for a long time. A lot of these teams have, you know, obviously fans in the community and are part of the community. So what we're going to do every week now is we're going to highlight one of those teams and just give a brief history so that, you know, our listeners 
know something about these teams and we can kind of think of these as as not just teams but you know the people and the cities that these teams represent so today we're going to start with a team that i grew up seeing quite a bit of in the billings mustangs billings is a city located in uh, the south of mon the southern part of montana last year the population was measured at 109,642 the team was officially established in November of 1947 when they were the minor league affiliate of the Brooklyn Dodgers. So that tells you what kind of history wow. this team has. Now, Yeah, that's cool. I saw the Billings Mustangs a lot because I grew up in Salt Lake City and before the Bees returned and brought AAA baseball, I would go to Salt Lake Trapper games and they were in the Pioneer League and we would see teams like the Billings Mustangs, the Great Falls Dodgers, the Helena Brewers, um, all these teams come through here. Currently, the Billings Mustangs are affiliates of the Cincinnati Reds. They have also been uh, associated with the Kansas City Royals, the Seattle Pilots for one year, shockingly enough, the Cardinals, the Pirates, and like I mentioned, they were the Brooklyn Dodgers originally. They've won 15 league titles and 10 division titles. They've had some really great players come through. George Brett uh, played there. Uh, Reggie Sanders, show favorite Paul O'Neill, another Hall (laughs) of Famer Trevor Hoffman, Keith Lockhart, Danny Tartable, he of uh, multiple Seinfeld appearances, uh, Aaron Boone, and uh, uh, one one of your favorites, Adam Dunn. Not uh, no, I guess I was thinking of Sean Casey as one of your favorites. Adam Dunn was yes. still a favorite, but uh, he I'm wrong with Adam Dunn. He wasn't the mayor. By the no. way, there was a a Sean Casey autographed jersey in McCready's uh, in Boston. I thought of you. <laughs> nice. Uh, so the uh, the Billings Mustangs played at Cobb Field for many many years. Uh, it was recently torn down, and they got a new stadium. They got a new stadium, and now Major League Baseball is saying, "Hey, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna take away your ability to be affiliated with the major leagues." The new stadium is up. called Deller Park. They've got a great tradition here in Billings where they have something called the beer batter and every game there's a group of a group of fans called the beer boosters which is awesome I'm not a I'm not a big fan of beer but I would definitely want to be a beer booster and what they do is every game they designate one player as the beer batter and if that player gets a hit attendees can go buy four beers for ten (laughs) dollars (laughs) <laughs> so what happens is whenever this beer batter, whenever they come to the plate, a lot of people get up and leave their seats and get close to the to the beer, you know, concession stands. I don't know if there's a limit to how many they can sell or they just want to get in line because I'm sure that there'll be a rush after this, but they can buy four beers for ten dollars. I did nice. mention they just got a new field, Cobb Field. There is a documentary on uh, Amazon Prime. Or Amazon video right now that if you're a prime member, you can watch for free. I happened to watch it like a couple of months ago. And uh, it, it's, it, it's funny that Billings is one of those. It's, well, it's definitely not funny that Billings is one of these teams, but uh, it's a really great documentary about the last year at Cobb field, getting ready to go into this new ballpark. It's a history of the team, but one of the great things about it is it's a, a great look at minor league life from not so much from the players, but from the front office view. And we've talked about it. Mark, you've talked about it. We've had 
other bad boys we've had gms from the miners come on and just tell us how you know you kind of do everything and uh it's a it's a really good movie if you want to watch it again it's free if you have amazon prime it's called a day at the ballpark and uh it's a way that you can find out some more about the billings mustangs one of the teams that major league baseball is talking about disassociating with the major leagues so please check that out i'll put a link in the show notes as well That'll do it for our BP segment. Mark, if you want to just step aside, we'll let the uh, grounds crew roll the uh, roll the batting cage away. And uh, right. we've got uh, a special guest that we're, we're very happy to welcome. I'm very excited to meet this guy. So we have a very special guest with us on the show today. If you've been to a Mariners game in the past 30 plus years, you've probably heard our guest a time or two, whether it's announcing Ken Griffey Jr. walking to the plate, the winner of the Hydro Races, or my personal favorite, Pop Fly with a Catch. <laughs> he is Mr. Tom Hudler. He's been the Mariners' public address announcer since 1987. And Tom, thank you very much for joining us. We're excited to talk to you today. Yeah, likewise. My pleasure. It's good to talk some baseball here at this time of the year. Yeah, I know. We we try to keep it alive. Try to try to talk about baseball whenever we can. And uh, b- before we get too far into being the PA announcer of the Mariners, the first thing we like to ask any of our guests is just kind of your history with baseball. When you first, you know, got into baseball, your your favorite team, favorite players, all that kind of stuff. Well, um, I mean, I've been a baseball fan. I played baseball through high school. I coached youth baseball and high school baseball in Seattle for about 13 years at the high school level. And um, so baseball's always been a big part of my life as far as being a fan and being a player and being a coach. And then um, I've been in the radio business since I was a senior in high school, which was in Spokane, where we had no Mariners growing up. So dare I say it, I was a Yankee fan growing up. But um, I, um, you know, have always loved it for the start. And then when I moved to Seattle, I started to become a Mariner fan. And then uh, in 87, I was asked to fill in for a couple of games as a PA announcer for the Mariners when the guy who normally did it was out of town or had a day off. And then uh, he ended up moving out of town. And based on what they'd heard uh, from the first two times I did it, I guess they thought it wasn't so terrible that they didn't want to hire me to do it uh, full time. So I've been doing it since 1987, 33 years just wrapped up here. So was that first PA announcer's name Wally Pip by any chance? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. So do you remember your 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 very first game you filled in? Who who were the Mariners playing? This was obviously at the Kingdom. You know, some of these people have memories of the, you know, the first, you know, pitch they threw in the big leagues or what I I don't have that kind of memory. I don't I don't have any idea who it was and I should know that, but um I don't. I don't have any idea who the first batter was, who the first team was. I was probably just so nervous I was, uh, you know, completely blanking out. But, uh, yeah, I I don't recall that. You don't recall your first game, but what is your – a game that sticks out to you from the Kingdome era? What uh, what would be your your favorite game as well as kind of the, the – maybe the game that you remember for some other reason in the Kingdome? Well, I think, I think I would be like one of a million to say that the 95 um, – Edgar Martinez double was probably my favorite game. And that moment was incredible. And I'll never forget that. I know that. And I think one of the, maybe the most obscure games, and I, this is not anything to be uh, glad about, but I was the last PA announcer to uh, introduce Nolan Ryan as a starting pitcher. He uh, was pitching, I believe for the Astros at the time and um, in the kingdom. And he gave up this home run to a, uh, 
a Mariner kind of farmhand, never really latched on, but he'd been around the big leagues, the guy by the name of Dan Howitt. And he had a home run, and Nolan Ryan kind of did the Rodney Dangerfield, ooh, my arm after the home run, and came off the field, and he never pitched again. And so he did something to his arm on that pitch to Dan Howitt, and uh, that was his last pitch. We have talked about that game. Yep. I was there too, Tom. I was there uh... – I was there to see Nolan and I was all excited. I used to try and go every time he was pitching. Yeah. And uh, it was like a very, very sad day. It was. Being a a total Nolan Ryan fan like myself, I really kind of knew that was it. Mm -hmm. And it it was also sad to see Dan Howitt take him deep because you go, come on, of all people, Dan Howitt, really? Yeah. You know? Uh, Dan Howitt spent a bit of time on the A's as well, where I was a big fan of him. Right. (laughs) H-O-W-I-T-T, yeah. Yeah, that's funny because we have talked about that game because Nolan Ryan is Mark's favorite player and he was there for that game and then I know who Dan Howitt was. and That's uh, that's interesting. I hope it didn't open any wounds, Mark. I hope it didn't cause any undue, oh, undue uh, yeah, I'm, weeping. or Yeah, uncontrollably uh, into a, a rut now, but yeah. I'm a professional and I can fight I through it. I appreciate that. Well, yeah. one one game in particular, I think that Mark and I have both discussed at the Kingdom that maybe you you've got a story or two about was the uh, I don't know if I want to say infamous, but the first turn ahead the clock night. Do you have yeah. uh, do you have any memories of that one? I, I yeah, I just remember Junior coming out with his sleeves cut off, and um, I just remember how um, it was just really surreal. I mean, the Mariners just did a great job of 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 trying to make it seem like that was a, you know, that was what was really happening. And with the news blips and the way they did the, you know, the hydro races and all the stuff that they did, you know, ex- exclusive of the game. Um, it was just a lot of fun and the uniforms I was never a big fan of. I know they kind of tried to resurrect those a couple of years ago and another turn ahead the clock night or something. I, um, I wasn't terribly fond of the uniforms, but I, the actual idea of it was a lot of fun. So I remember a couple years ago, we had a turn back the clock night and you at what is now T-Mobile, but at Safeco, we're sitting behind home plate with a, like a, a bullhorn and you were yeah. dressed in old timey clothes, <laughs> introducing people. Big old megaphone thing. Yeah. yeah I remember yeah. that. You were in an yeah. old timey suit with a cool vest. Old timey vest. Yeah. Vest. One of those, uh, riding caps, those beret type things, whatever you call them. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I have one of those on and. I felt completely ridiculous, but it was it was uh, it was quite fun. You had turned back the clock, though, Tom, and and being a participant, it had to have been good for your soul. It it was fun. It was a uh, we were let's see. I think we were playing uh, the Cubs, I believe. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I believe yeah. I re- I seem to remember that it was a rather warm day too, because we were we were all up in the control room where it was a decent temperature, and, and you were down there in your monkey suit in the middle mm-hmm. in the sun because it was a day game yeah but... <laughs> it was pretty toasty so hey tom yes sir i got a question for you sir uh is is baseball or was baseball always uh, your favorite sport because folks tom is a big sports fan loves loves to watch sports and and talk sports about pretty much anything yeah He's uh, he's he's really uh, keeps up on all that stuff so tom is is baseball your favorite sport w- without a doubt it's um it's the best sport I, you know, I evangelize for it a lot because there are a lot of people who find it slow or boring or I have two little axioms. I have one little uh, thing on my desk that says uh, baseball is like church. Many attend, few understand. 
And uh, <laughs> Amen. another one that um, says, uh, it's all right if you don't like baseball. It's kind of a smart person's sport. Exactly. So, That's my favorite. Um, you know, it's an acquired taste. Some some get it, some don't. And, and that's okay. I don't, you know, football and all the other sports that have kind of this, um, I don't know, event mentality. Baseball is more of a lifestyle. It's like every, it's every day. It's almost every day that they yes. play. And it's just a different vibe than you get with the, you know, even the NBA where they play maybe two or three times a week. But it's still, this is, you know, these guys are pretty much living their lives together uh, for seven months other than when they're at home and get the chance to spend you know, precious moments with their families, but it's just the strategy of it. The, the mm-hmm. um, human element of it right now with the umpires, although there are, you know, going to be some possible changes there. Um, the beautiful lack of symmetry in ballparks, the mm-hmm. walking around the first time you go into a ballpark and you walk through the tunnel and see it right before your eyes. It's just, it just pops out. It's magic. And, you know, the players that have played the game and the personalities and, how more approachable and touchable they are and always have been and how I think they were always part of society or the glamorous life back in the Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio days. And um, there's just a magic to it that I just don't think I've ever found in any other sport. Well, you are on the right show, my friend, because that's what we're all about is, is uh, the majesty of baseball and baseball history. So, you know, it's good to know, Tom, that we're on the same side for once. <laughs> So Tom, you mentioned you mentioned lifestyle, and that's a I think that's a perfect lead into another question that I had because of the pace of baseball and and the number of games, and especially if you're there every night, like like you and, and Mark certainly are, and I have been at certain times in other places, right. leads to uh, leads to the ability to have conversation, uh, play some certain games, maybe um, that I've been a party to a couple of times with you guys, where. Uh, this is uh, something that I love to tell the story to people that, that you and Mark play a game based <laughs> on players' last names and the ability to form a sentence around them. Uh-huh. And my, my favorite one that Mark told me was, was Doug Mankiewicz, which I yeah. could not at any point fathom that a, a sentence could be <laughs> formed around it. But uh, Mark, do you want to, do you want to, enlighten everybody how this game is played with Doug Mankiewicz. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh Greg green. will will turn to Tom and I once in a while. Greg is our uh, director of, of marketing and he'll say, Hey, use this name in a sentence. And so Tom and I kind of, we get to see who can come up with one. So Doug Mankiewicz, uh, I slid in by saying, um, uh, a guy went spelunking, and when he came back up, he had a terrible rash, and the doctor looked at it and said it was some kind of dormant cave itch. <laughs> that, and that was the thing you had to you had to you had to split up the name into other words, so you couldn't obviously use it just as the person's name. And you know, I mean, you know, you'd never use the word you know last name Bush or or you know right. Cage or whatever, where it was just you know, oh yeah, I was in you know, I went around, I went down. Uh, and, you know, hung out at the, at the, uh, whatever, you know, it just, you had to make the name itself into a usable sentence that, you know, there were definitely some stretches, but it was still, you know, uh, Mark was better at staying dogged on the trail than I was. Sometimes I couldn't think of anything right away. So I, Mark has, Mark has much less to do during a game. (laughs) Tom has to think and stuff during a game. Was, you know, I just press buttons. Was there yeah. ever a name that that couldn't be 
couldn't be formed into a sentence. Well, I thought Minkiewicz was going to be impossible, yeah. but you know, I think one of Tom's best was what with Justin Morneau. Yes, that was very that was very simple too. I just said this world is too permissive right now. We need a lot less yes and a little more no. Uh, there you go. And about, I think Mark had two of my favorites. Mark had the uh, Teixeira and uh, <laughs> Pedroia, which I'll let you. <laughs> yeah, uh, Teixeira, Mark Teixeira. It was uh, sometimes my wife and I go out to dinner and we like to share a dessert. <laughs> um, and uh, what, what was the other one you just mentioned? Uh, Pedroia. Oh, Pedroia. Yeah. If you don't remember how grandma looks. Have Grandpa draw you a picture. <laughs> it's it's a fun game. We've been playing it literally for whatever uh, since the beginning of when they opened Safeco Field in '99. So it, it, we still do once in a while. There was a time where Greg was really into it, and we had to do it every game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, now it's just once in a while. You know, we're not playing for the championships anymore. We're sort of uh, semi-retired on that game. Right. But, uh, you know, we still come up with making, some good making ones. the token appearances. So let's talk about some names is have you, you know, obviously you're the guy telling everybody in, in the stands who's, who's in the game. Are there, have you ever had any special requests from players about what to call them or, or a name that everybody's pronounced one way that they wanted to pronounce, you know, something, something, some way different. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't do it as much as I used to, but I used to go into the clubhouse both visiting and, and the Mariner clubhouse just to make sure because, and God bless the media relations department at the Mariners, but you know, they sometimes will have to operate on assumption or um, maybe something that they've just heard somebody else say. Uh, Cause it's, you know, it's a lot of work to try to check everybody's name and, but they've actually started doing something where they'll send a sound file. At least the Mariners have sent a sound file of the uh, player pronouncing his name. So that helps a lot. But back in the days of, uh, Oh gosh, like Raul Abanez. I mean, I heard Luke Pinella, would call him Ibanez and I thought well I don't know if that's what I thought <laughs> so I went to him and I just said is it it's Ibanez right I've been saying Ibanez he goes you said you say my name awesome I said okay well that's great and then that was cool and then Ichiro you know everybody called him just Ichiro and I said do you want me to call you just Ichiro or do you want Ichiro Suzuki he said no Ichiro Suzuki so you know people always said why do you call him Ichiro I said because he told or Ichiro Suzuki I said because he told me to one of the most and again you know you just assume but Mike Messina of the Orioles, everybody called him Musina or Musina. Uh, and I asked him, he goes, it's just like it's an E. It's just like Messina. I said, so, you know, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody call him or pronounce it that way. But, you know, you just take the time to ask sometimes you find out something. So what's, uh, what's been the hardest name to pronounce that you've ever run up against? Hmm. Hardest. Uh, what do I always have trouble with? There's a couple of newer guys. There's a guy who plays for the Twins. His first name is E-H-I-R-E. It looks like it would be E-Hire, but it's um, got all this little nuance to it. It's supposed to be, so it's supposed to sound like E-Hire, and, and it's like, I don't get it, but it's like, that's what I asked, and they said, no, it's E-Hire. Oh, let's see. There was a guy named, it looked like Hire, but it was Iram Boca Chica. That was Boca Chica. Was the, but Iram was kind of, uh, who else? Um Oh, there's a guy that played uh, Edeni Echeverria. Echeverria? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure there are others. Actually, some of the of the Korean players that play are a little difficult, too, because you have to be, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any, any 
experience speaking that language or I have limited Spanish, but I don't have any um, of the Asian languages in my holster. So it's just kind of trying to sound them out or hearing what you've heard other people say. The, the most, the biggest gaffe I think I made, and I mean, who would have known, but, you know, and I followed the game pretty closely, but I had not heard his name pronounced. So when Baltimore used to play, they had a second baseman named Jonathan S-C-H-O-O-P. Shoot. Nope. It's scope. I'm going, well, how the hell does that work? But that's what it was. <laughs> so I found that out finally and mended my the error of my ways there. And now you're fluent in Dutch. Yes. <laughs> at least at least partially, yeah. I remember I got freaked out. One of the first games that I was in the Mariners control room, it was opening it was opening series and it was against the A's and it was Joanna Cespedes' rookie year. And it it, it wasn't until the A's came up to bat, and then I remember there was a bit of a, uh, a, how do you say the name? How do you say the name? And I had heard it through spring training, so I offered a, a pronunciation and then just closed my eyes and, and hoped that I had remembered correctly. But <laughs> that was that was a little nerve-wracking for me. Yeah. Well, uh, I was glad. Yeah, I was good thing you were there. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what, what's been your all-time favorite? What, what's the name that you like to say? Uh, I was like saying Carlos Baerga and would unnecessarily roll the R's a little more than I needed to, but, um, <laughs> sounds cool. Yeah. Um, Unieski Betancourt was fun. Mm-hmm. Who else? I'm trying to think. By the way, Unieski Betancourt, uh, with their new fall lineup, I'm betting court TV has a really good viewership. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's going to get edited out, Tom. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Now, something you guys have in common, Tom, you're a huge WSU fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeff, didn't you go? Uh, didn't you go to school somewhere? I, over there? I am a proud Cougar alumni. Well, most yeah. of the time, like a week and a half ago, not yeah. so proud. But wasn't very proud. The interesting part is, I, I am like an un, unreasonably avid Cougar fan, but I didn't go to school there because I I was I had a scholarship to go there as a senior and at Ferris High School of Spokane. And it was going to uh, go there on this journalism scholarship. And then I kind of fluked my way into a job at the big top 40 radio station in Spokane while I was still a senior in high school. And I knew that's what I wanted to do for a living. And I thought, you know, I could go down to school and take my foot out of the door. I've got an incredible opportunity right now. If I, you know, I I was afraid of losing my place in line. I was thinking if I go to Wazoo, do my major in journalism, get into the broadcast program. I might be one, you know, I might go to Medford, Oregon to start, or I might go to, you know, Billings, Montana, nothing against those towns, but Spokane, uh, at the time, particularly there, it was a KJRB was the name of the station. And it was much like a farm system in baseball. I was, you know, KJR was the big station over here, the big league club. KJRB was the triple A team. And so there was kind of the natural progression. If you were any good, you would get, you know, promoted from KJRB to KJR. I just didn't want to start, you know, several rungs below that or a few rungs below that. Uh, and I just, so I just decided not to go to Washington state, but spent many weekends down there with friends. Um, some of which I can remember and had a lot of fun and, and, you know, just have always been supportive of the program and a huge fan of the program. And, um, so yeah, I, I was so disappointed at the apple cup. It was just, uh, 
very hard to take. I'm very, very disappointed. In the way Just to let everybody know, Washington State, the women's volleyball team, uh, yes. managed to to beat the University of Washington. I don't. I think it was the next day, at, yeah. in Seattle, in a, in five sets. It was a close one, but they squeaked it out. So a little, a little bit of of brightness. Yeah, and and they actually beat them twice this year. They beat them here and in Pullman, or in, in Pullman, and then the. Uh, I mean, the women's soccer teams in the final four of the, and it's, uh, that's pretty amazing. That's, there's some blue bloods in college women's soccer and the Cougs are playing for the title, or at least in the semis. And another, another piece of Washington state news. I saw today that Gardner Minshew has once again ascended to the starting position in, uh, in the NFL for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And now this ties back to you because probably, unbeknownst to a lot of our listeners, but as Mark likes to say, notes to, to us, yeah. you are uh, quite the musician and you had a, a bit of a hit on YouTube with a with a, uh, a song called The Mississippi Mustache about yeah. Mr. Minshew. Well, it came from Mississippi to the fields of the Palouse. No one knew about him till the pirate cut him loose. Right arm is a cannon, he's nimble on his feet. And when he gets a rolling, there's no way he can be beat. He's the Mississippi mustache, the crimson Superman. Yeah, we wrote it last year during Apple Cup. We, it was really a rushed job. And uh, a friend of mine said, "You somebody." this is like after the Stanford game, it was kind of late in the season. And, Friend of mine said, uh, somebody, sh- somebody should write a song about that. And another friend of mine was there and he pointed at me and I said, hmm, yeah, maybe. And I just <laughs> kind of didn't think about it again. And then uh, about two weeks later, somebody said, did you write that song? I said, I wasn't really thinking about it, but I sat down. I was just sitting where I'm sitting now at my house and got out a pad and um, started writing some stuff down and got my guitar out, started plunking some stuff out. And I uh, recorded it really rough and sent it to my musician buddy and said what do you think of this and he goes it's pretty good and this was a sunday and uh before the apple cup and he said and he has a friend who's another friend of ours that's a, got a little recording studio at home he said yeah we could see if andrew could let us get in to record it tomorrow so we went in in the afternoon and i got off work at noon and i went in to record it and we had it basically done by about four and then they i had to leave and they finished up with some background vocals and some you know um little production elements and uh said it to me late that night and I, I work at Como Radio early in the morning. So I went to Como early in the morning and we share the space with Como TV. There's a very avid Coog grad there named Wayne White who was in our TV production. And I said, hey Wayne, I got this song. Would you be able to put some Gardner Minshew highlights to the song? Just kind of sync it up with the song. And so he did that and um I went on the air and I was anchoring the news and he walked in and he goes, it's all done. I said, Oh, that's awesome. Do you know how to put it on YouTube? He goes, already did. So <laughs> it was up and running and that happened on a, a Monday, uh, Tuesday morning. And I don't know what the, what the count was by Apple cup, David. I don't, the last time I checked, there was 73 or 74,000 views. And I redid it when Minshew became the starter in Jacksonville with some new lyrics. And it, it hasn't taken off nearly as much. I don't know. Last time it was like 3,000 views. So I just don't know if I, I, I keep thinking if it if it was heard or got, you know, got picked up in Jacksonville, that it would take off like crazy because he's just like a, you know, phenom down there like he was up here. 
But so far, it hasn't really taken off like that one did. But um, anyway, it was still fun. Well, we're big in well, Jacksonville. Well, you on here now, so, you know, it's obviously going to take off. I'm sure, yep. <laughs> That's the kind of publicity that makes people. Yes. Tom, Tom, you also did, I believe, a song in the 80s called Raider Busters. I did. Yeah, and I remember that. I was, you know, not quite born yet. Okay, I was born. <laughs> I don't want to say how old I was. Um, but it was like 85 or something, and it was a huge rivalry between the Seahawks and the Raiders. Yeah. And Ghostbusters was a thing, and... uh the song came out called Raider Busters. I remember recording it, you know, where you had to press play and record on your little recorder and set it next to the speaker. Uh-huh. Um, so I had, I had a copy of your Raider Busters for years. Tom. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, I was a, that was really a big fan. That was, uh, I was at, I spent a lot of time in the top 40 radio realm and that was, I was at KUBE at the time. And so I actually did quite a few uh, parody songs like that. I did Raider Busters. I did one called, uh, Oh gosh, uh, what was the other one? I did one to this tune of uh, I, "We Didn't Start the Fire" called "We Love It in Seattle." That really was big. Um, it was like, and I got Billy Joel's permission for that, but it was really—I mean, it was monstrous. You can find that on YouTube if you like. "We Love It in Seattle," um, and uh, did one to the tune of "La Bamba" called "La Bosworth" after the Seahawks signed Brian Bosworth. <laughs> um, oh gosh, you know a, a few others like. To Whitney Houston's uh, greatest love of all, I did one called The Greatest Lunch of All because my daughter had mistakenly thought uh, they can't take away my dignity was they can't take away my BLT. So <laughs> <laughs> that spawned that classic. And um, what else? Oh, uh, there was a song by Bruce Springsteen, I'm on fire. I did I've been fired. You know, so it's just it was kind of fun to mess around with. I don't really do that much anymore because I write songs that are about broken hearts and morose morose depressing stuff now that probably will never see the light of day but well we'll, i will be sure to link these in the show notes i did just happen to find the raider buster song on youtube Uh, and it says right there it says right there from kube so i've got to assume that 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 is it so we'll we'll put we'll 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 link all these in the show notes though so everybody can go and and listen to these uh tom you you uh you developed your voice uh that deep resonant uh, voice of god early on in life uh, at what point were you were you speaking in in such uh, bold terms and bold style um well you know i, I it was uh, probably between sophomore and junior year in high school and i didn't really realize it but people will start commenting about you know hey boy your your voice is really deep you should get into radio and i'm going i you know, I didn't really understand. And I didn't, you know, we, we hear all of us, I believe, hear ourselves different than others hear us, just like we look different or sure. mirror than we look to others. For instance, I look exactly uh, like Brad Pitt, but in the mirror. But um, <laughs> Well, that's what I see. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I, I started noticing that my English teacher would start asking me to read in a class like daily. And I thought, what, what the hell? And so... Um, <laughs> one, one time I was at my friend's house and his mom said, you have such a mellifluous voice. And I had to immediately go to a dictionary to look at what that meant. And um, it, it just happened. I had, you know, when people say you have a lovely voice, you have a beautiful voice, whatever. I, my, my most frequent reply is I had nothing to do with it. It's a, it's truly, uh, and I'm a, you know, faithful man and I'm a devout Catholic. And I, I say it's literally a gift from God. I had nothing to do with it. And if I didn't have it, who knows where my life would have 
have gone, but I am very, very blessed and very thankful for it. And, um, but yeah, it, it just kind of started in high school and kind of uh, took on a, you know, a will of its own because I didn't really do anything to do to, to cultivate it at all. Probably, probably not. Kind of fun to hang out. I'm sorry. It's kind of fun to hang out with Tom because if there's a big crowd, he'll just go, "Ladies and gentlemen, please step aside." And you know, and we just walk right through right through the crowd. It's great. It's always official sound. As the years have gone by, and I've done this Mariners job for so many years, it's a lot more uh, often that I'll have that I'll be recognized. My voice will be recognized in a checkout line or in a you know restaurant or whatever it might be, and. So I become cognizant that I really have to be careful what I say and, you know, the language I use just because, you know, there might be people who, who listen and, and know who I am without me knowing that they know. And I just, you know, got to be careful. So that's become more and more prevalent that that happens in the last few years. So Tom is, is very good at acting, sounding like he actually cares. He's one of the best <laughs> I've ever met. <laughs> Do you know other? Uh, do you know other PA announcers from around the league? Is there like a brotherhood or a secret Facebook group where you where you swap war stories, handshakes? There, I don't. Um, I don't think I know any. Uh, you know, there was a Facebook page. It was you know PA announcers Facebook page or whatever. I, I just um, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a snot, but I, I just I don't. I don't, uh, and I'm happy to talk to other guys about it and. I had somebody who's interested in getting into PA announcing who, who uh, is a Facebook friend and he messaged me a month or so ago about, you know, what, what I would recommend to try to do. And I'm fine doing that. I just don't, it's just like, it's like being on the street and, and somebody honks at you because they have the same car you have. It's like, I, I don't care. And <laughs> so that's one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think I, you know, it's not that big of a deal to me and it's, and it's the same in the in the radio business. I've been in the radio business since I was 17 years old, and I'm older than that. I'm like 45. It's 45 years. I've been doing that forever. And there's a couple of radio groups that I have from people I used to work with, and 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 they like voted me into their little club a couple of years ago. And I just it's I don't I don't and I with great respect because I worked with some legendary people like Pat O'Day and some of the greats in the business. But I, I don't. I guess what I'd say is. You know, radio is what I do. It's not what defines me. It's not what I, I don't, you know, a lot of the people that I grew up in the radio business with were constantly listening to air checks from other radio stations and reading all the trade publications. Oh, did you hear so-and-so just went to WJFM and and now he's doing mornings there. Oh, so-and-so just got fired. Oh, they're changing formats and blah, blah, blah. I just, I just, you know, if it, if it directly impacts me, yes, I care, but I don't really um, care about all that. I, you know, used to, I used to, to a degree. And then I realized I just was kind of faking it. I didn't really care as much as I thought I should. So anyway, long, long story short, I don't, I don't um, wallow with the uh, other PA announcers. <laughs> and again, if somebody wants to talk about it and I can talk to them on the phone or message them back and forth, I'm happy to impart any advice I can give. But So you got to do something really cool this last hall of fame weekend when you went up and kind of emceed some events for Edgar Martinez going into the Hall of Fame. Did you did you do that with, with Griffey as well? No, that did not happen with Griffey. This was, um, well, let's see. No, it didn't happen with Griffey. We had kind of a post-Hall uh, of Fame night cool experience that we kind of replicated with Edgar. But the actual MCing, well, no, here's what happened with Griffey. It's all coming back to me now. Um, 
I had told the, I, at the time Jeff uh, Idelson was the PA, was the president of the Hall of Fame, but I had known him when he was their media relations guy. And I texted him and said, um, "Hey, you know, I don't know what you guys normally do for the Hall of Fame induction. I've never been there, but I'm pretty well known here for the Ken Griffey Jr. introduction. If you would like me to introduce him at the ceremony, and then you know have your guys take over and do whatever they do, you know, let me know. I'd be happy to do that." He said, we kind of stay close to the same format every year. Gary Thorne does it. And maybe there's something else we can have you do there. Maybe like a program of some sort. And I said, what, you know, I'd be honored to do anything that you want me to do. So they came up with the idea of um, just having this uh, one-on-one interview with one of their media relations people in their little theater there at the Hall of Fame. And the name escapes me, the Grandstand Theater, I believe it might be. Seats about 200 people. It's you know supposed to look like a little section of a ballpark. And I was down on the stage and I was scared to death because um, this was like 11 o'clock on the, on the Saturday of the weekend. And they had some signage up around the hall, meet Tom Hutler, period announcer to you know talk about Ken Griffey Jr. And I thought, there's not going to be anybody in that room. It's going to be like seven people and I'll know six of them. And <laughs> I, I just thought, oh, I was like, this is going to be a gigantic failure. And and I went in there and the play, it was full. They had to turn people away. And I, I don't really think it was just because of me. I think if people were looking for things to do and that might have had any kind of relationship to Karen Griffey Jr. So the, the guy uh, with the Hall of Fame was very nice and asked me questions about, you know, somewhat similar to some of the questions you've asked me about how I got involved and then how, you know, the thing with Griffey and taking back audience with, through some memories of, of things like that. And then he did a little Q&A. And it was really cool. And I got stopped by people later saying, oh, I saw you at that thing. It was really good. And then like we were at this thing for Edgar the next, or for Junior the next morning. And somebody said something about Tom's uh, little show at the Hall of Fame. And Edgar goes, you were there? I didn't I didn't know. I would have gone to see you. And I thought, oh, God, that's nice. And so then <laughs> the next time around at the Hall for Edgar, they asked if they'd have me do something different. And they said, would you want to moderate like a little panel discussion with a bunch of you know, former Mariner players at the, um, what's the name of the field, the little ballpark they have there. Double day uh, field. Double day field. Yeah. I said, sure. So um, they told me it was going to be uh, Jay, Dan, Jamie, Rick Riz and Rick Griffin. And that was it. And so they, the, the biggest reason they wanted to do this was they just wanted to get some people out of the hall for a while and get them to the, this ballpark just to kind of alleviate some of the congestion because it was packed because they had, you know, the first year we were there with a junior, it was just junior and Mike Piazza. And so there was, wasn't as many, um, you know, East Coast fans that were there. This time they had Mario Rivera and they had Roy Halladay and gosh, who else? They had some other people that, you know, had a lot of East Coast interest, especially Rivera. So it was a really, really crowded place with normally, you know, a very small town. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. So um, I kind of typed up a list of questions or a little intro about each person. And again, I got there. They said, they're, tur- they're turning people away. Nobody can get in anymore. It wasn't the whole ballpark, but it was like all down the uh, third baseline. And it was full. It was just full. And it was like, so Junior uh, Junior showed up out of the blue. We didn't know he was coming. We were waiting in this little tunnel to go out on the field. So Junior comes in. So all the other guys were there. So they said, okay. They, they set up some chairs for us down the third baseline. And I started we started to walk out you know and i was walking out there with junior and jay were, was behind me and and the, the place was just going nuts and i'm completely obviously for these players most people i'm sure didn't know who i was but it was just so cool walking out there with all these guys getting this incredible applause 
we sat down on the chairs and started, you know, to kind of go through each person's little quick intro and ask a few questions. And then uh, I saw Jay wave at somebody back down toward where the tunnel was, and it was Mike Cameron. And so he waves him in. So Cammy comes in. It, all of a sudden, it was like I was supposed to do this in 34 minutes because they had to have another uh, <clears throat> event in there, and they're trying to work it like clockwork. So there's a gal from the Hall of Fame, like you know, giving me signs, and I'm going, "Oh my gosh, if these guys get started, I mean, just Moyer and Griffey alone and Buner alone, keeping that to 34 minutes, I thought this is going to be like active, you know, it's like herding cats." Yeah, and so. So Cameron came out and, you know, they were like reminiscing about Edgar and Cameron made the mistake of saying something about how Edgar was the, you know, the cooler head or the, or the more the guy with all the common sense. And Griffey goes, you know, Griffey, we started to ask another question. Griffey goes, wait a minute, you're saying I had, you're saying I was a troublemaker, you know? So they got into it for like 15 minutes. And I said, you guys, we gotta, we gotta ask a few other questions. And it was just like, it could have gone, it could have gone on for two hours. And, you know, with Buner, I mean, Buner's telling some great stories and, you know, I made the mistake of asking, I didn't, he, he took it fine. I asked Moyer, I said, do you happen to know what Griffey or what Edgar hit off you? He goes, no, but I sure, I'm sure you're going to tell me. And, uh, <laughs> and, you know, Rick Griffin and Rick Riz all had good, you know, great anecdotes as well. So it was just really fun. And again, after the week or, you know, later on that afternoon, I was stopped in the street by a bunch of people that saw it and thought it was so fun. And we tried to reenact it at uh, the ballpark. Uh, during the Edgar Martinez Hall of Fame weekend at at T-Mobile last year. And it was fun, um, but it wasn't quite the same. And Edgar was there this time, but Jay wasn't, and Junior Junior was. But, yeah, I was just, I mean, I'm just sitting there in my, you know, there's photos of, you know, I, I was seated next to Junior, and there's a picture of me and Junior both laughing uproariously. And some of them got posted on Facebook, and my daughter posted, you know, oh, just me and just my dad and Junior laughing it up. I thought it, it was really a cool experience. And my son went with me and there was a Mariner event that we got to go to. They said they did, they did the same thing for junior. It was a private Mariners event in this beautiful tent on the and the uh, Longfellow uh, museum grounds. And um, it, it was really top notch and you know, all the players were there and players from other teams were there that, you know, either used to play with Edgar or still are playing, you know, Tony Perez was there and Ricky Henderson was there and, you know, Lou was there and a bunch of other guys. And uh, my son, you know, grew up watching these guys. He was, can I maybe get a picture with Junior? I said, yeah. And, you know, those are the guys that I that are why I was close to. Jay, I uh, not only knew him through the Mariners, but I coached against his son in high school baseball. And I've known, you know, he's probably the guy I'm closest with. But Junior and all these guys, was like, you know, do you mind taking a picture with my son? It's like, oh, my God, no. And, you know, Randy Johnson was there. It was, you know sat and talked to him about cigars and photography for about 15 minutes. And I think that the thing that was, you know, we talked about love, the love of baseball. I think that's still something that resonates with me, at least, is you're still kind of a kid at heart when you get around some of these guys that played the game and that were your heroes or guys that even if they weren't your heroes were guys that you admired for the way they played. But it was really special for my son to be able to do that. And um, that's outstanding. Yeah. And, and now the only, the only downside of the whole thing was that I, have two daughters and as soon as i told them i was taking him to the hall of fame they said well where are you taking us so that's uh <laughs> we're going to hawaii in january <laughs> there you go uh, it's still not as good as the hall of fame but it'll probably no, be fun yeah you know. <laughs> well tom i we talked a little bit about how yeah and you are pretty well known for the, the ken griffey jr pa announcement mm -hmm. but my personal favorite of all time is a guy you just talked about your jay buner 
Uh-huh. Uh, I, I always thought that came out really well. And this back when I was working for both the Mariners and the Tacoma team, you came down to visit and uh, Jay Buner was rehabbing at the time. So we brought you up into the uh, press box and we had you, we, we just went, you know, just one time, just do the Jay Buner. Uh-huh. So you, you obliged to, to do so. And I remember Jay looking back like, what is he doing here? It was great. <laughs> You were his personal yeah. catcher. You followed him around during rehab just to introduce him. Jay, Jay was a Jay is a classic. He is a say anything he thinks type of guy. Uh, but I mean, he's got a heart of gold, and he was a lot of fun. Yeah, and it was fun to say anything. You know, a lot of people go when we acquire somebody or have a rookie coming up. They'll ask, "How are you going to say his name?" I go, "I don't know. I, it just kind of happens." And so, um, uh, you know, some of them are really just you can't you can't do much with. Uh, you can't do much with Seth Smith. <laughs> so, you you know, some of them you just kind of just say it. But others, you know, if it lends itself to something kind of fun and uh, melodious, then, yeah, it's fun to do that, too. So, to- yeah. Tom, this is uh, the, the <laughs> this is something that cracked both Mark and I up was we did a little bit of research on you. The Akron Beacon Journal called you, quote, the voice <laughs> of God. Now, how did the Akron Beacon Journal come to know of Tom Hudler. Uh, the Cleveland Indians uh, were engaged with your Seattle Mariners in a uh, postseason series. And uh, one of their writers was doing a recap of the uh, game, one of the games that was played. And, you know, a lot of times if you were reading a recap of a game, you know, there are several writers usually covering it since it was a playoff game. And he did a couple of little news and notes, little bits and pieces type things in his, in his uh, column about the game. And, just through that observation in that, you know, he apparently asked somebody who the announcer was and that was his observation about it. Tom has heard plenty of that, uh, plenty about that since that day, by the way, <laughs> yeah. and, and ribbing and, and, and poking at him. Yeah. yeah. That, that title sounds like the kind of thing that should come with at least a plaque or something that they should send you. <laughs> but <laughs> The VOG award. <laughs> you know, it's funny because Tom, when he does AM radio, I would occasionally give him a ride home. And when we would go beneath an overpass, you couldn't hear him talk. <laughs> Boy, you've, you've, got a, you've got a million of them today, don't you? <laughs> hey, I tell you. So, Tom, uh, we like to, when we have guests on the show, we've uh, one of our most popular segments is called Wax Packs Heroes. open up an old wax pack uh, of baseball cards and uh, value them we've got in front of us uh, i've got a beckett baseball card monthly from may 1992 so that these cards will actually have some value we started using a current one and (laughs) did not score very well so we we use uh, an older version here to uh at least give you some some value you have selected a 1989 tops pack uh, mm-hmm. which this should be very exciting to see uh, what we got so i'm going to open it here uh, i will send uh, i will send uh, i'm going to send this gum to you uh, should i just send it oh. to uh to t-mobile or would you like it to, to you know directly to your house uh let's go directly to the house because um then I, when I open it, I'll know that I can, um, you know, hammer it like I used to have to hammer the gum. Well, it's probably cracked in several pieces now anyway. But. 
Yeah, this one's this one's cracked into two pieces. We've yeah. gotten a couple of whole a whole uh, whole you know pieces recently, but this one is not. <laughs> that you know, yeah, we got the mint condition gum. Such a great, I mean, a great memory of opening those packs when that gum, the smell of the gum, even though it was like the worst yep. ever. Um, <laughs> but it was you know it was just another little childhood memory. It's like oh my gosh, I got another pack of cards. Yeah. All right, so I've got this pack open here. We're going to go ahead. Uh, our leader in the clubhouse is uh, our friend Ben from the Diamonds and Roses podcast at 93 cents. Uh, we recently, Chris from the Turn a Pair podcast, came in second with 42, and then uh, we've got some scores below that. So you're shooting for 93 cents, and uh, we do have a couple of extra rules beyond going with the uh, value here in Beckett. If the player is sporting a mustache, you get an extra cent. And if they are now a Hall of Famer, you get an extra five cents. Wow. So a couple of uh, extra bonuses for you. And maybe we should just have you introduce each of these players. Uh, I'm guessing you've probably introduced most of these guys before, but we, we yeah, won't make you do that. Probably. probably. <laughs> All right. So you're starting off, uh, you're starting off strong. Uh, shortstop for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, former manager now, Ozzie Guillen is your first uh, your first player and if you've got any specific memories of these guys uh you know feel free to to uh to let us know that's typically we just reminisce about these guys as we go through I mean, the cards i just remember having a lot of respect for him as a player and i remember completely losing that when he was a manager i just thought he was <laughs> well i'm not gonna I... say i don't know podcasting uh language rules work but yeah i just I lost all respect for him when he was a manager. I've I've talked about him before. He was on the Braves when I worked there, and uh, I never heard him say a sentence without at least one swear word in it. But, yeah, uh, he does the talent. <laughs> that card's not worth anything, but he does have a mustache. So you do get one cent ah. right, one right off the bat. Okay, all right. Next, we've got uh, another White Sox, and and this is good because this is when the White Sox were uh, had the uniforms with the cursive C on the uh, red, white, and blue hat. So it's a good-looking uniform. But uh, outfielder Daryl Boston. Yeah. I remember him, and I bet he's worth zero as well. Does he have a mustache? He does have a mustache. So Tumblr's <laughs> <laughs> quick. He's a quick learner. <laughs> All right. Here's a – oh, this is a good card. A future star card. And uh, this one might, might get you on the board with a little bit more. He is wearing a mustache. Uh, in this, he is a catcher. A up and coming catcher for the San Diego Padres, Sandy Alomar. Mm. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that card is worth fifteen cents right out of the Whoa. right out of the, the pack. Plus he's got a mustache. So that's sixteen cents right there. So we're at eighteen. Yeah. But that's a good that's that's one of our better cards that we've pulled, just because uh, Sandy Alomar was a great player too. And I liked him better than Robbie too. Yeah. For what it's worth. But Robbie you know, would have gotten well, you the extra uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't think Sandy ever spit on an umpire. That's that's no. that's kind of the difference maker for me there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next, we've got uh, outfielder for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, Rob Ducey. <sighs> yeah, I remember him. I don't think I'm gonna make much progress with that either. No, and he is he is clean shaven. Um. All right. So now you've got a leader card. A Dodgers leader card, which we typically aren't worth anything, but this is a great card. It's a meeting of Mike Sosha and Oral Hersizer on the mound. Wow. But, 
So it's a it's a good looking card. I'm I fear it's probably not going to be worth anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, not worth anything. And I Nothing. I can't see any mustaches. Yeah, but, uh, I don't remember Scorch having a mustache. And I don't. No, her shoulders no. didn't. So. All right, now here is a. I'm interested in this card. I remember this guy. I don't know that he ever made the majors, but this is a number one draft pick card for the Chicago Cubs, Ty Griffin. And I remember this card vividly. It is he played at Georgia Tech. This is the the picture is of him playing, you know, in a in a yellow jackets jersey. I'm curious wow. to see if this has any value because I remember it does. It's two cents. Yeah. Uh, I remember that was a hot card at one point, but apparently not in 1992. Yeah, I remember him, and I remember that you know he was one of those guys that never really panned out, but he wasn't the first, not the last. Well, now here's your big money card uh, from the Detroit Tigers, Pat Sheridan. Oh wow! <laughs> yes, that he owns all those hotels right unfortunately this was the card that the gum was on so the back has got a gum shaped stain thusly removing any value uh, unfortunately and he does he does not have a mustache so that is not worth anything wow I've had a a tough spot here yeah now this is a good player uh, for the Atlanta Braves this guy uh, utility infielder uh, mainly a shortstop during their their run in the early 90s Jeff Blauser yeah, I remember the blouse, man. Yeah. Blouse, blouse, blouse. Now, <laughs> he is worth actually three cents. Is he really? That surprises yeah. me. Huh. Uh, so, is right he the now. Jeff Blouser? Is he what? The mustachioed Jeff Blouser? No, no, there is oh. no, no mustachioed All right. going on there. All right, so right now you're at 23 cents. So you've assured yourself that you are, you're not going to come in last place, which is all right, good. That's all good. Uh, I remember this guy, but I don't remember really anything about him. For the Dodgers, Danny Heap. H-E-E-P? Correct. Yeah. Wasn't he with Montreal for a while? Uh, uh, I believe so. And then he was with Uriah Heap, the band. And uh, Yes, that's right. And uh, steal him when you couldn't <laughs> buy him. And then... I think he played bass. Yes, second bass. Uh, no, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess Danny Uriah Heap's worth nothing. You are 100 correct, and he is clean shaven as well. Mm-hmm. Jerk. <laughs> oh, here's a good looking card, uh, Lance Parrish. Oh yeah, good Detroit yeah. Tiger, and what else? White Sox. Uh, uh, he's pictured here on the Phillies. And he's wearing the the powder blue, you know, with the P, with the kind of the the baseball yeah. in the middle of it. It's a good looking yeah. card. Uh, I I guess I'm guessing Parrish has to be worth a, at least a nickel, but um, I don't know. He cut a lot of games. I mean, a lot. Yeah. So this is a 1989 card, and uh, he had already been in the league for 12 years at this point. But uh, and and he was also apparently once offered a football scholarship to UCLA. But uh, beyond the mustache that he's sporting, that is the only value in that card, unfortunately. Nothing else. Wow. Uh, This one probably not going to help you out a whole lot either. Brewers, uh, what is he? Middle infielder Juan Castillo. Hmm. No. No clue on that one. I can tell you when he hit his first major league home run, but beyond that, uh, I I can tell you that he's got a mustache. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He was with Brewers, you said? 
at this point, yes. Yeah. He spent a lot of time in the minor leagues. The back of his card is littered with Burlington, Butte, El Paso, Stockton, Vancouver. A lot of, uh, a lot of time in the minors. Uh, next, got another Philadelphia Philly. This guy I remember is Jerry Curl. Uh, he is mm-hmm. also sporting a mustache. Uh, I believe he was a second baseman. Nope, shortstop Steve Jeltz. Oh, Steve Jeltz. I thought you were going to go with Juan Samuel for a second. Uh, say, I, I think to be a middle infielder in the late 80s for the Phillies, you had to have a Jerry Curl. I think that was kind, mm, of, the, so. kind of the rule. But uh, beyond, the, uh, beyond the mustache, that is not worth anything. Uh, this is a good card. Um, should be a Hall of Famer. He is a Hall of Gamer. Uh, he was inducted into the Hall of Game in the Negro League Museum this year. For the Reds, Eric Davis. Oh, yeah. Good ball player. Yeah, we've discussed Eric on here and just sometimes how he would go on an absolute tear. Oh, yeah. He could carry uh, that club for a while. He was streaky, and boy, when he was on, he was on. Yeah, he was that the five-tool player that we talked about. He uh, yep. just injured a lot. So that card is worth seven cents. Wow. And uh, Eric Davis used to usually have kind of like a pencil mustache, but he does not in this one. He's clean shaven. Okay. But that's still well, a good. Holding in on 30 points. Uh, you're at 33 right now. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, next, we've got stalwart of the Braves bullpen, Jim Acker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, lefty? Uh, he was, boy, that's a real small print. No, he was a. He was a right-hander. Yeah, uh, he's a okay. righty. But yeah, I, don't, I remember. I think I was thinking Daryl Ackerfield. He is. Uh, he has got a beard, so we count that as a mustache. Okay. So we'll give you a point for uh, for that one. And then your final card is uh, for the New York Mets out of the bullpen, Terry Leach. Wow. This is yeah, the kind of pack. Cool on that one. This is the kind <laughs> of pack you're like, eh, thrown away and go, okay, I guess I'll keep the Eric. Yeah. And maybe yeah, you <laughs> Yep, that's yeah. what we do. We we go through it afterwards, and we kind of rank the cards. And Eric Davis is definitely your strongest. Uh, I would say mm-hmm. Sandy Alomar after that. Yeah, and then maybe the Dodgers leader card. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, in my mind, I mean, I thought Lance Parrish was a pretty good player, but I don't know. They didn't apparently. Well, remember, this is the junk wax era of oh, baseball right. cards, so yeah. this is not a whole lot of value to any of these. But you did end yeah. up with thirty-four cents, which actually puts you in third place. Really? Yeah. Wow. So uh, our the, the the top card that was ever pulled in this segment was from the Diamonds and Roses podcast. They got a, an upper deck pack, and it had a Ken Griffey Jr. card in it that was probably oh, wow. worth 50 cents, and then you get the mustache and you get the Hall of Fame. So that was a big uh, a big score. Yeah. So no, that does nice it does put you in third place, though, with a, with a good score there of, of 34. So uh, we will, uh, we as we do, I will also put in the show notes, we uh, pack up all of these cards once we get a good bit of them and we send them off to Cards for Kids, which donates all these to uh, kids to try and get them interested in baseball, which is well, that's a great idea. Something we all want. So, uh, Tom, we really appreciate you joining us today. Um, is there uh, is there anything you want to plug? Give out a, a Twitter handle, a, a gig you got coming up. Uh, let's see. I'll be playing at the Admiral Pub on December twentieth, mixing in some wonderful Christmas songs and uh, nice. 
And um, that's about it for the music end of things. And um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been great talking with you guys. Well, great. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing you again next, uh, next, what, I guess it's uh, March is when we start with the uh, March season. March 26th this year against the Rangers. Yep. Oh, there you go. Which which Rangers uniform will they wear? They got 800 of them this year. So <laughs> we'll see what they show up with. But thanks. Tom, I had a, a mutual friend of ours that wanted me to tell you hi. Uh, Art Foonman. Oh, wanted Art. To say hello. Former, uh, <laughs> former, um, yeah, uh, organist for Safeco Field. Yeah, yeah. he is. He's a musician uh, of great renown, and uh, always admired him. He's a old five fingers Foonman. Yeah, I think he's yeah. he's actually yeah. looking to maybe uh, maybe do a duo with you and maybe get back in the <laughs> back in the game. Well, I, I would. You never know. He'd, he'd be well. He'd be he'd be uh, welcome on any gig. <laughs> I'll let him know. <laughs> All right, Tom. Thank you very much for joining us. We we. Certainly do appreciate it. All right, fellas. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Tom. God bless. Take care. Uh, I'd like to thank, uh, thank Tom for stopping by. We'll put all of his uh, social media and uh, upcoming stuff in the show notes as well, so be sure to check that out. Uh, if you would like, you could follow us on social media as well. We can be found at 2 Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I'll be posting some of that stuff from my trip to McCready's and some other stuff uh, as well. We'd like to, once again, just thank everybody for listening. We really do appreciate uh, our listeners. Uh, I know we've been talking to a lot of other podcasts that uh, have been very nice and and, and talked about us. And we'd like to uh, thank them. And, and hopefully we'll have some more guests from some of these other baseball podcasts that want to come on and talk with us as well. And uh, Mark, this was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, what do you say we do it maybe again next week, you think? Well, I had so much fun this time I was going to take next week off, but I forgot how much fun it was doing this. So, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> All right, great. Well, then uh, we will see everybody again on another episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Bye.